Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 132, recorded on Sunday the 17th of April 2016. Hello again. And it has been a while, and first of all, let me apologise. If you hear some faint noises, it's because for some reason the traffic seems to be quite heavy today. I might try some noise reduction, but the only trouble with that is it can sound like I'm in a box after I apply that filter, so I'm not sure yet. We'll see how it goes. And on with the news. And oh, just one more thing. I am still a little bunged up, so I do apologise for that. Let's start with the news. Not so great news on a personal front. I got a parking ticket, and a fraudulently issued parking ticket. I don't really understand how this is supposed to work, or what possessed the traffic warden to do this, but I found a ticket stuck to my windscreen about a week ago saying that my car had been parked since 10 in the morning, which is weird because I was still in bed at the time. I didn't actually leave the house until a few hours later, actually. I'm finding the ticket, of course, and if you get one, I suggest you fight it too. Don't give in. Apparently, and Google tells me, there is something of an epidemic of fake and fraudulently... Can't even say that word. Fraudulently, that's better, issued parking tickets at the moment. I've now started to photograph my car including the registration and a bit of the background or sign or something, so that the date and time is stored in the metadata. I might even turn location on, but then there would be data charges and there are also privacy concerns. I don't know, maybe I'm just slow to the game, because I know a lot of people now have dash cameras and that could have saved me a lot of trouble because it points forward and it's a wide angle and it keeps recording and it would record with a time and probably a GPS coordinate the exact time I was ticketed, uh, arrived at the car park and ticketed. And also there's something that I read and I now find a bit disturbing, Crash for Cash, where people will deliberately go in front of you, and maybe another car will push you from behind, and suddenly the car in front will stop, and the idea is they'll then claim that you were tailgating them. So there are lots of reasons to have dash cameras. The only problem is, you do have to pay some money to buy one. But after this, I think it's probably a good idea. I'll let you know what happens, but how extremely annoying that... Every now and then, we are reminded what a crooked and unpleasant world we live in. Bit more positive. Ukulele practice. Just to cheer myself up, I've been playing my ukulele more lately. And it's not just to do with parking, it's also something to do with the next article that I'll tell you about if you wait a second. But if you can't play anything, I really recommend an instrument like this just because everything is easier about it. At least from the basics. It's small, light, cheap, easy on the fingers, relatively easy to play. The chord shapes 
are mostly much easier than a guitar. And I've found a whole lot of free chord guitar and uke songs online, and since most ukes come with a chord guide, it's really easy to learn three chord guitar songs, because they tend to be chords like, I don't know, C, G, and D. It's also a good accompany instrument if you sing, because it doesn't take up too much of your concentration, and for me, with being so cold addled and not really being able to carry a tune anyway, I need all the help I can get. The only reservation I have about ukuleles is, although generally they're easier to play, when you listen to someone like George Formby with his incredibly complicated strumming patterns, it suddenly becomes a lot harder. And after saying it so easy, I feel a bit bad about this, because what I've found is that it can, in some aspects, be harder than guitars. Those strumming patterns I mentioned, I've managed to learn one, but it took me a week, and I've only got the strumming pattern down. I can strum my hand, can't quite do the fret liftoff with my left hand, but I'm working on it. We'll see how it goes. I do think, though, that sometimes I'd like to play something else, but there are very few instruments that weigh nothing and you can take anywhere with you. For example, I did think about a bass, which I used to have. I used to have a bass guitar. And mainly after watching people like Mike Kerr of Royal Blood, or maybe an instrument like a cigar box guitar, which sound really cool, and especially after watching Shane Spiel YouTube videos, they seem to be the kind of instrument that I'd like. I don't know though, as much as I like rock and blues, I also like sing-along stuff, and it just seems easier on a uke, and you can't really play a great big complicated electrical instrument lying down horizontally in bed, although I've heard different but I'm still conflicted, and the only instrument other than a ukulele I like that I can see in the shops is something like a Hofner Ignition bass, which is light, but a bit too delicate to play on bed, and not exactly a sing-along instrument, and it's a bit harder to play too. If I can get better, I might just graduate to something like a soprano banjolele, which is Exactly the same instrument as a standard soprano uke, just a bit more with that twangy, banjo-y sound, and it also looks really, really cabaret cool with those shiny J-bolts, and they're usually painted black. By the way, if you are learning an instrument, YouTube is a great resource, but if you're not a confident person, it can also be a little off-putting watching a whole load of virtuoso musicians making you feel inadequate. The point is, eventually you're just going to find your own way of playing. So don't feel that you have to be bullied into playing or singing a certain way by some pompous YouTuber. They're not all pompous, but some of them are. I mean, just consider those two musicians I just mentioned who have a very unique way of playing, and if you want to see another very unique 
an unusual musician, just Google a guy called Brushy One String, which is spelt exactly how it sounds. And talking about singing, Tom Watts can't hit a note and he's brilliant. And there's all... Whereas, of course, Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And at the end of the show notes for this section, which you'll be glad to hear is now over and we can get on with the proper geek stuff, I've added a few links to easy ukulele songs and a whole bunch of three-chord songs that NME have put up. Anyway... That's about it. It does really sound like I can't make up my mind what instrument to play, can I? But you know what? I'll stop before this turns into a boring music podcast. Okay, so that's it for my own personal news. Sort of, but there's... Oh, there is one more thing. Actually, there's a couple more things, so it's not the end of the news section. Sorry about that. I have been working on... A new podcast. That's why my Twitter feed went dark for almost a week. I've been completely jammed with this podcast project, which is unlike anything you've ever heard from me. That is, it's better, I hope. And I've done this for a radio production competition, the prize for which is a full-time dream job for a couple of years. Now, it may not ever see the light of day, because I'll have to wait to see how the competition goes, but eventually you will hear the little snippet that I made. They made us edit it down to two minutes, which is incredibly hard to do. I don't know how good it is, and I've put in the show notes here a stage direction that says cringe, but I've just realised you can't really cringe in audio. <laughs> Sign me up for a package of confidence. And yes, I wrote down that sentence. I don't know what else to say about it, but if you've ever been involved in a really serious project like film editing or indie games development, you'll know what I mean. Pulling all-nighters until you pass out and just stopping long enough to throw something in the microwave. Or as happened on several occasions, realised that there's nothing to put in the microwave, drive to the supermarket at about three in the morning and buy a sandwich. (laughs) Okay, next. Splitting up Roy's Rocket Radio. I did toy and actually start to split my writing off to a new podcast of its own. But it was such a time suck that I decided against it right at the last moment. I changed my mind after watching that Future Shock documentary movie about 2000 AD when I realised that I need to prioritise my output. And that's what really lit a fire under me, pardon the terrible, terrible cliche, to get that podcast done for that production competition. So, for the time being, at least, Roy's Rocket Radio will still be an insane mixed bag of stuff I'm creating and stuff I enjoy. Basically, the full nerd audio experience. But, given the length of the podcast you are currently listening to, maybe it is something I should reconsider at some point? I don't know, let me know. 
Next, shout-outs to Magic Rat Larry. I'll start that again. Magic Rat underscore... No, again. At Magic Rat underscore Larry. And at Sheer Oliver. Thank you for retweeting things with the Roy's Rocket Radio hashtag. You know what? I'm going to relax that requirement. Just get into contact with me and say something that you want to say or you want to talk about. And just tweet at me and I'll give you a shout out. Okay, next. The Horus Box, my novel, which I'm sure you're sick of hearing about. But I'm now 67,000 words in. And... Very near the end. I'm a quarter of the way through chapter 37. So chapter 37, 38, 39, 40. Four more chapters to go and we're done. I did feel the sudden need for more action. So I threw our heroes an extra clangor. But if you have been listening to how I go about writing, and I'm not an expert, so don't take this as the best advice, but this is what I do. If I've written a scrap of something that I think, oh, I can't use it now, I don't throw it away. I put it into a snippets file, and then later on, when there's a scenario that requires it, I can go back to that snippet file, cut from the file, and paste into my body of text, change a few things, and there you are. I've got a ready-made scene. And the good thing about doing this is you never know when inspiration can hit you, and you might write a really great scene, a really brilliant piece of prose, just not have a use for it. So always save things up. You never know when you'll need them. Not much else to share about this right now, because I've already recapped many, many times and said quite a bit in Roy's Rocket Radio episode 130. Though now that I'm looking at my notes, I can't remember what I said in that episode. But if you want a big recap of how my writing is going, that's the one to go for. And kind of tangential but interesting well interesting for me maybe for you because some of my novel takes place underground in London I read on the web that a tube station in London Clapham South has opened their wartime tunnels to the public and I've put a link to the news story where I got that from, and looking at the URL now, it was from the BBC. So look that up if you're interested in secret histories and things like that. And that is it for the writing section. Let's get on to the bit that you've been waiting for, or at least I hope you've been waiting for. Vintage Doctor Who. Yep, we're back in 1968, and this adventure, The Mind Robber, was broadcast from the 14th of September 68 to the 12th of October 68. It was another five-parter. The only extra cast and crew note I'm going to add this week was the writer, Peter Ling, was the son of a stage magician, and he also co-created Crossroads. And I'm going to pause for a bit because I wanted to check something.
okay, get this. The actress who played Zoe Herriot, Wendy Padbury, also was in Crossroads. She played a character called Stephanie, shortened to Stevie Harris. And I know I'm probably talking to deaf ears here, but Crossroads was a soap opera, a really popular soap opera, ages and ages ago. I think it went out in the late 80s or early 90s, something like that. That's when it stopped being shown. So let's talk about what happens. Well, we have more fluid link problems, and the Doctor has to hit an emergency switch which knocks the TARDIS out of reality. The crew stumble around as usual before they realise what's going on. One of the threats they are menaced with is a unicorn. (laughs) Menaced by a unicorn. Well, I suppose a horse with a huge lance on its head could be quite frightening. It's just saying the phrase that I was chased by unicorn just seems a bit lame. They also meet Lemuel Gulliver and are almost crushed within the pages of a book, which are all clues to something. Finally, they meet the mastermind behind everything, who turns out to be a writer called The Master. (laughs) No, not that master, but a different one, who is actually a kidnapped Earth writer. So for a start, how's that for vainly writing yourself into your own story M. Night Shyamalan style? Anyway... And the previous clues might have told you something. They turn out to be in the land of fiction, which is, of course, a place most writers know of intimately. Except, the Earth writer is not really in charge. A huge cybernetic brain in a bowl called the Master Brain is a boss. And we're back into familiar Doctor Who territory. In order for the writer to get away, and this is the cause of his villainy, the Doctor must replace him as the major component in the Master Brain circuitry. But the Doctor's Gallifreyan mind is too strong for the Master Brain. He overpowers it, and they all escape back to the TARDIS. You know what, this overwhelming power is very reminiscent of New Who, where no matter what the obstacle is, the Doctor says, Ah, you know, what you didn't think of is there's this button that only I know of, and if I press it, that's it, you lose, I win. So that's fairly new to Doctor Who. What did I think? Okay, for a start, why the hell doesn't the Doctor fix that stupid fluid link once and for all? And also, why doesn't he carry around a huge barrel of mercury? You see, the fluid link device has been used on numerous occasions now. And the main problem is it uses up mercury like no one's business, and mercury is a very common element. So I don't know why they keep using this story device. Remember, Doctor Who was partly there to educate children. And it just makes no sense. Man, you couldn't get away with writing something that silly in a screenplay nowadays.
Oh wait, you probably could. And if you could, your script would be optioned on the blacklist and you would be a millionaire. So, I'll take that back. Not that I'm bitter or anything, you understand? Next, more positively, Zoe is in a sort of tight, sparkly, sci-fi Mrs. Peel outfit. I may have fixated on that a bit. Blimey. There's also a lot of gratuitous posing and handling of Zoe, so it's not just my deranged imagination. I did a Google search for the actress who plays Zoe, Wendy Padbury, and she was something of a big pin-up back then, probably because of Doctor Who, so turning Doctor Who companions into pin-ups is nothing new. What else? Um, yeah, I mentioned Zoe looking a bit like Mrs. Peel, and there feels like another connection between the Avengers and Doctor Who, because this adventure does feel very like the mind-bending psychedelic stories of the Avengers, and shows like The Prisoner, too. Other things that I thought felt or looked familiar was the big white empty area and the white outfits reminded me a lot of THX1138 only the menacing droids in this are white and clunky looking whereas the menacing droids in THX1138 very very recommended that you watch that movie dress like cops in black with silver faces and again, an interesting episode altogether. A bit different from the usual Doctor Who that we've seen so far. But enjoyable nonetheless. It also seems to go pretty fast at quite a clip, and you don't notice the time going by. And that's really all I have to say about Doctor Who this week. What else has been on? Okay, The Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 16, Last Day on Earth, the season finale. You know what? Our guys flip-flop from being good guys to be bad guys, to be conflicted, to being all sorts of different things that people finding themselves under extreme stress will end up being. And at this stage, our guys again are becoming the bad guys, but perhaps only from a 21st century point of view. In fact, the hostile communities and marauding gangs seem reminiscent of our own history of civilization, from hunter-gatherers to villages to towns to cities, and then to war, conquest, and empires. And we don't even have the excuse that we had zombies around to drive us to doing that, just our own natures. And man, that is depressing. Or a bit too deep, depending on how you look at things. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Anyway, next time you use or hear the word community or civilization used in a positive way, just remember that the words mean nothing except a quantity of people living together. And on that terrible note, I'll leave The Walking Dead and Season 6. Which sounded a bit like a lecture. It is enjoyable, though, 
which, if that's all you're interested in, yeah, you will enjoy it. The Magicians, and I've talked about this adaptation of Lev Grossman's excellent trilogy before, possibly too much. It looks good, certainly good enough to be renewed, and coming to Five Star in the UK sometime this year. At least this is something from sci-fi, since the spelling change, that doesn't suck. And I think sci-fi have somewhat redeemed themselves with the show. The cast seem more fleshed out than in the books, so well done screenwriters slash creators, Sarah Gamble and John McNamara. The actors are also both older and different from the characters in the books, And even this new, older, geekier, less arrogant, and more likeable Quentin Coldwater, although when I first saw the pilot, I thought, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, it's pretty good. So look out for that later this year, and when it's out, we'll actually start talking about it. But if you haven't read the books, read them. That's The Magicians from author Lev Grossman. I'm on the third book at the moment, and I have been on the third book for the last couple of months. I just seem stuck a third of the way through, because every time I pick it up, I fall asleep, because I'm so tired. Gotham, Wrath of the Villains, 2016. This is something we can talk about. It is on TV. I think it's on Channel 5, isn't it? Here? Yeah. Channel 5... 2100, 9pm, Mondays in the UK. Really good and improving all the time. Mr. Freeze just debuted and also left. (laughs) And he seems a really interesting portrayal of the character. Also, another great portrayal is that of Dr. Hugo Strange, who is a villain that I don't know that much about. But he is played by B.D. Wong. And if you remember him, he was the mad scientist character who gets about 60 seconds of screen time in Jurassic World. But in that short 60 seconds of quietly spoken dialogue, he chews up the scenery, man. I think he's the best thing in Jurassic World. Send a shiver up my spine of fear when I listen to him. So, yeah, he is playing Dr. Hugo Strange, a demented psychiatrist, I think, or surgeon. I'm not quite sure. Don't know that much about the character, not having read that much about him in the comics. Okay, what else? One of my favourite nut jobs, Mr. Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin, is now languishing at Arkham under the not-so-tender mercy of the aforesaid Hugo Strange. In fact, it's turned into a nightmare for poor Mr. Cobblepot. Not that he doesn't deserve the punishment he's getting, although I'm a bit conflicted because I like him as a character, so I don't know. I suggest you check the series out, catch up, the series box set it whatever you have to do if you feel a bit bummed out by the Batfleck movie 
console yourself that at least DC are doing well on the small screen, at least until Suicide Squad. Okay, next movies. I did finally get round to seeing The Mockingjay Part 2. Wow. The love triangle between Katniss, Peter and Gale is thoroughly, thoroughly annoying. It is a good film, but that really bugged me. I thought, are they still on this? You know, I get it's aimed at a teen audience, but there must come a time when teens just go, ugh, not again. But the film is pretty good. Even though they split the ending into two films, the editing in places seems rushed because the only real boneheaded bit was the totally unexplained mutant scene that I suppose must have lost something in the final cut. I don't know why they even bothered putting it in. I mean, I can guess from context who the mutants are, but if you're not going to do it properly, why do it at all? Anyway, apart from those two complaints, which makes it sound like I didn't enjoy the movie, in fact I did, and I think it had a good and satisfying ending. Especially if you're not particularly a fan of homicidal power-mad dictators. So, yeah, worth a watch. A good end to the... I was going to say trilogy, but quadrilogy. Okay, next, we're going to watch some trailers. And let me just scroll down the screen a bit so I can see my show notes. Man, there's a lot of show notes this week. Yeah, the first trailer will be Suicide Squad. Then right after that, you're going to hear Rogue One. And then Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So we've got the latest film from DC, Suicide Squad. The Star Wars spin-off, Rogue One. And the latest adaptation of J.K. Rowling stuff in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Enjoy the trailers. We'll talk a bit afterwards. So here goes. Gentlemen, ladies, what if Superman had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office? Who would have stopped him? I want to build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. What? the deal. You disobey me, you die. Try to escape, you die. You got a boyfriend? You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. They get caught, we throw them under the bus. What a ride! Let's play! Come on, get some better too? Light it up! 
I love this guy. Not good. Don't forget, we're the bad guys. Are you sweet talking me? All of that chit chat's gonna get you hurt. I was just trying to get you there. You know how it feels, right? We good. What you having? Beer. Whiskey. What am I, 12? How about you, hot stuff? Water. That's a good idea, honey. State your name for the record. Jin Ursa. Forgery of imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Interesting man, Mr. Scamander. Just like your suitcase, I think there's much more to you than meets the eye. Kicked out of Hogwarts for endangering human life with a beast. Yet one of your teachers argued strongly against your expulsion. I wonder, what makes Albus Dumbledore so fond of you, Mr. Scamander? First trip to America? Yes. Must get that fixed. Anything edible in there? Um, uh, no, no. Any livestock? No. Welcome to New York.
No human could do what this thing is capable of. Okay, now as much as I said that I wasn't that interested in, well, actually any of those three films, I might have said that in past podcasts, I may have now changed my mind. Especially Rogue One, which does look good. And I'm looking forward to it also because it's taking me back to the Star Wars storyline that I remember, because it's set back during the time of the original trilogy. And the other thing is, it will be a new story, a kind of behind-the-scenes look at what happened. So we won't be retreading old territory, which is what happened with The Force Awakens. So I am really looking forward to that. And it is coming in December, so it'll be a good Christmas film to watch. Suicide Squad looks okay. You know, I do want to watch it. I'm just a bit appalled that they always keep using the same music in action sequences in many films, or the same kind of genre of music. That kind of light pop Fast Rocks, I think it was a Misfits, the punk band, doing Ballroom Blitz. And I remember from, what was that film? Kick-Ass. They used Bad Reputation. Uh, That was Hit Girl's song. I think they need to pick less cliched and obvious music. And just one last thing to say, I made a mistake when I announced that this film was coming out in 2017. Actually, it's coming out this summer, which is good because that sounded like an inordinately long wait. As far as Fantastic Beasts and where to find them goes, I think that might be the weak link in these three. And when I say weak link, I don't mean it will be a bad film, but it might not be the best. Of the three. Personally, I would have liked to see a film with the original characters, Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, and Ronald Weasley, grown up and working as auras, or magical police, which is what they wanted to be. But instead we get a very different film with different characters. So, I don't know. Maybe this is aimed at younger children. Oh, and before we come to the end of our movie talk, just have a correction to make. I mentioned in... I don't know if it was the last podcast, but it was the last one where I talked about Batfleck. Maybe that was the last one 
Wow, the days are all melding into one. But anyway, I said that the Star Wars Force Awakens DVD and Blu-ray were actually out. Well, they weren't out, but they are out tomorrow. But by the time you listen to this, it will be tomorrow. So they are out today. Yeah. So sorry for that incorrect piece of news. And I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it tomorrow, but I will buy that pretty soon. At least the DVD version. I'm not sure I can be bothered to buy the Blu-ray. Okay, in the technology section this week, just got a couple of things to say and then we're done. Um, excuse me a moment, I've got a... <coughs> oh wow, all chaos is breaking loose. All stuffed up a bit and phone alarm's going off to say that I've got a Skype appointment in 10 minutes, so I'll have to be quick. Torrent clients. Remember the uTorrent Bitcoin mining fiasco, where there was a bit of code stuck into the uTorrent client that was used to farm Bitcoins, unbeknownst to the users. And then there was the advertising-heavy mess that was uTorrent later on. And then there was the transmission ransomware infection on Mac OS X. Well, you know, after trying many alternative clients, including a lengthy trial of Bit... Oh, sorry, not BitTorrent. QBitTorrent, which I found very, very slow, I am back to using uTorrent, only an older version. uTorrent 2.2.1, build 2. 5302. And I mention that particular build because it seems that there is a consensus that that's one of the better builds, but just be aware you are using old software and there can be risks. But I'm using that. I have used the corresponding portable apps app because I'm on Windows and I like running all my apps on a separate hard drive for backup and security reasons. Unfortunately, the Portable Apps app will only install the Portableizer thingy. I mean, you do still need to download the app itself from the old version website. Then you rename the XE that you get from there to utorrent.exe and stick it in the app directory of the portable installation. If you're on Mac or Linux, you'll have to do a bit of app diving, but you should be able to find it. I have put some links in the show notes for Windows users. But if you don't need the portable USB version, then just download the old version file and install it as normal. Given Again, that this is old software, just be aware that there are risks. I must say, though, it is ferociously fast with the default settings compared to QB Torrent. There just isn't any comparison. And it's just about the best way of downloading things like, say, the latest Ubuntu build. Or my preferred... Linux build is Lubuntu, but yeah, 
we'll leave that. Okay, Windows 3.11, which I thought was the best version of 16-bit Windows. Yes, I have installed this on DOSBox together with video drivers and sound. And I must say how much I realised that I really don't miss older versions of Windows once I did this. I did it out of nostalgia, kind of retro nostalgia, and the fact that I still have Windows 3 games. But it really kind of sucks. If you want to do this too, there is a guide that I used, and again, have a look at the show notes. If you don't know how to install DOSBox, start with that, and again, there's a link in the show notes. I might as well just say there's a link in the show notes every second sentence, because guess what? There's a link in the show notes. Anyway, DOSBox is brilliant, absolutely brilliant, if you want to run older software. Next, the Panama Papers just wanted to say that it proves why strong encryption, secure communications, and anonymity is necessary, because it makes whistleblowing safe. I am quite surprised by it all, but good to see that being rich, powerful, or hiding, like Radovan Karadzic, but that's a completely separate subject, isn't always a get-out-of-jail-free card anymore. Next, IRC and ICB. I am trying to learn my way around IRC, which I sort of missed the boat on back when it was popular, but now that random chat seems to have been subsumed in favour of the one-way vanity of social media, not that I'm not guilty of that too, I thought it might be nice to try out. Apparently, Freenode is the network with the most users, so you might want to check out Freenode first. As for clients, well, I started just using Mibit's browser-based chat client until I can see if IRC is for me, and then I might move into the built-in client and CMonkey, Chatzilla, which I actually have, and then if I can be bothered to go any further, perhaps something scriptable. Around the same time as IRC became a thing, Internet Relay Chat, there was also ICB, Internet Citizens Ban. Not much idea about this, except it was way more obscure. It's just something to try out that's old school and hackery. So it's just something I'm doing in my spare time, although I have hardly any spare time. Interestingly, there are still user bases for these protocols. But that's about it. Okay. I think this is the last item in the technology section. Breakthrough Starshot, which I watched live on Tuesday the 12th of April 2016 at 1705pm. Yuri Milner, who is a bazillionaire, and Stephen Hawking are planning to launch a laser-propelled nanocraft to Alpha Centauri. What they're getting at is it's really small. Basically, a spacecraft made up of a chip. And they're planning on shooting this thing off on the end of a laser to Alpha Centauri, which is one of the nearest stars. 
the nano spacecraft will be going 20% the speed of light, which is fantastically fast. Others who were on the panel during that discussion were Freeman Dyson. So it was a pretty heavyweight talk. And the idea behind all this? Well, think about it. Imaging exoplanets around Alpha Centauri, but also the furthest point of our solar system, like Pluto. And although it wasn't mentioned, although I don't think it was mentioned, I didn't watch the whole thing, what about the giant theoretical Planet Nine? And if you want to re-watch that piece of historic video, again, look in the show notes. And that is it. Thank you for listening. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, recorded on Sunday, the 17th of April, 2016. And this was episode 132. And the time at the end of the show is two minutes past five. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye.